Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to another edition of Turn on the Jets Live. I'm your host, Steven Zantz, joined by my co-host, Steven Russo. We're joined by a very special guest, former NFL quarterback for 10 years, Jason Campbell, also played for the University of Auburn, where he hosts a podcast called Everything Auburn. Hey, guys, how's it going tonight? We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse, carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see, we could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hey, I'm doing great. Hey, I can't complain, guys. You know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm pretty pumped to watch this Jet. I mean, this uh, Knicks and uh, Hawks. <laughs> I almost hit the Jets. <laughs> I knew we were talking about the Jets, so, but uh, I'm kind of excited, though. I'm, I'm having fun. <laughs> well, good, good. Uh, well, Jason, thanks so much for joining us. We're, uh, we're extremely happy to have you on the show. So, um, you know, obviously, given your, your background, your history as an NFL quarterback, I'd like to kind of talk and have some things be a little quarterback-centric. So first question is, you know, the 2018 draft class, Darnold, Baker, uh, you know, Josh Allen was was lauded, one of the best classes since 1984, but then kind of unexpectedly this 2021 class came in and, and was just as deep and, um, you know, five QBs drafted in the first round. So how do you think those two classes compare? And then second part of the question was, if I were to ask you where you would rank Zach Wilson in that 21 class, you know, what would you say? Yeah, you're right. Uh, it's been a lot of young talent coming to the NFL from the quarterback position. I think a lot of it has to do with, uh, if you look at what these colleges run from an offensive standpoint, they're now transitioning to the NFL. Uh, you know, NFL mm-hmm. coaches are finally, you know, wising up and saying, like, instead of trying to make a guy fit our system, how about we tailor the system to the guy's ability and his talents? And uh, that's what you see in Baltimore. Uh, you, you know, you see it there. You see it, you know, Mahomes, uh, how they're doing things with Mahomes. And, so teams that are has really good young quarterbacks, they're tailoring these systems to these guys, and that's helping them to evolve and have success. And, you know, you look at Zach Wilson, you know, he's a guy played at BYU, has a big arm. I think that's the thing that everybody fell in love with with the kid's arm, is his arm strength and, and things. The only thing about it, though, you know, from a from a strength of competition standpoint, you know, there are some other guys that had an opportunity that, that, played, at, that played in bigger situations and played in the playoffs, Trevor Lawrence and – and uh, 
my guy from Ohio State, I'm trying to think of his name, just went blank for Justin a second. Fields. Yeah, Justin <laughs> Fields. Yeah, so yeah. Justin Fields, you know, he's another guy. So, you know, you think about what Justin did, you know, against the Clemson game and then to get hurt and the fight back in that game and then come back and play against Alabama in the national championship, you know, it kind of shows you where his heart is. You know, it shows mm-hmm. his gut, his fight. And I think what hurt him kind of was, you know, what the, what Haskins went through in Washington, you know, everyone say, well, Ohio State has all this talent around their quarterback. So how can we really know what they're about? But Justin's a little different, though. You know, he, he plays with a little different chip on his shoulder. And, you know, I thought Justin may have gone in front of Zach uh, just because of the things he did at Ohio State. And he's a proven winner. And Zach, you know, he's played in some big games. He's played in some games, but not as big games. I don't know if he's really been challenged yet. Mm-hmm, and he's sure. really going to get challenged in New York in the Jets when he plays in that division where Miami's getting better. You know, you know, New England's gonna have a bounce back season, and uh, and you know, Buffalo is already atop the division. So, you know, he's gonna get challenged a, a lot in that division. So, you know, he's just got to continue, to just hopefully develop. Yeah, no, totally agree with you on that. So, funny thing about that is a lot of the guys on on turn on the Jets actually really like Fields over Wilson, like throughout the whole draft process. I was one of them. You know, I was pretty much open to either of them but definitely lean more towards fields. Like you said, I just felt like I saw a lot of good things from him, especially in those big spots, like you said, against Clemson. I'm just assuming, did you have Trevor Lawrence over Justin Fields and just Justin Fields is number two? Yeah, yeah, I had Trevor atop. You know, Trevor's been there for like three years, man. Like if he could have came out, you know, two, three years ago, he would have been the first pick. Uh, You know, this is a guy that has so much talent coming out of high school. He's always had a target on his back. He's always had these high expectations he has to reach. And he didn't budge, you know, he didn't budge one bit. You know, he lived up to him and, you know, to count that, uh, carry that amount of pressure around for all those years and still be able to play at a high level. You know, I think he did it very well, well deserving of the first pick. But I did to, to myself, I thought, you know, Justin Fields should have been a number two guy taken uh, just based off the experience, man, and his ability. Like, you know, you know, you look what Lamar Jackson does very well is running the ball. You know, he's been over a thousand yards twice already. You're not saying Justin Fields going to go a thousand yards, but it's the threat there that makes defenses have to prepare for it, even if you do it five times a game. And, uh and everything. Like I said, I just like the part that he's been challenged. That's my thing. You know, Trubisky came out of college. He only had like 13 starts. Mm-hmm. And I had already said he's never been challenged. You know, North Carolina had a good program, but they wasn't in any big games. They didn't, you know, he wasn't, you know, prepared like that to come to the NFL. And wasn't enough film to judge him off of. And he gets to Chicago and it shows. And that's the only thing that kind of wears me with, with Zach is, you know, is he ready for that big step? And do they have an opportunity where they can kind of, you know, bring them along slowly? I don't think so. You know, you take a guy number two overall, they're pretty much going to throw him in the fire and see where it, see what happens. And uh, I just hope that they put pieces around him, which they are doing. They got some offensive linemen, and they are putting pieces in place that they kind of didn't do with Sam Darnold that would help him. Yeah, totally agree with you on that. You know, since you have a lot in common with these guys, since you were a first-round quarterback yourself, what would you say is the biggest transition from playing college quarterback to the NFL? I just say preparation, uh, you know, like I said, like, you know, I played in the SEC, you know, not biased against Big Ten or you know, <laughs> Pac-12 or whatever else, you know, but most of the guys I played against played in the league. And, um, you know, it was always hard fought games, man. But the one thing I learned about the NFL is you have so much idle time. There's no school. You know, you go mm-hmm. to practice, you're working for eight hours a day you know, four and five hours of it is film and breaking down things and lifting weights. And then the other two and a half hours is on the practice field. 
But once you leave the practice field, it may be six o'clock in the afternoon. What are you doing for the rest of your day? You're a young man. You're in your 20s, you know, so and you got money now. So what are you going to do? It takes <laughs> discipline. So I think the biggest thing for these guys is being able to be disciplined, being able to be home and be able to prepare and study away from the game. That's how you have long careers in the NFL is your preparation has got to meet every expectation that you're trying to do. You can't have it both ways. You can't be out all the time and then think that your field stuff is going to get you where you got to go. You got to sacrifice. Oh, very true. So uh, you, you kind of touched on it in, in your statement before, but it, it seems like in the NFL now, the days of a guy sitting and, and you know, being on the bench and getting two years under his belt of practice before starting or over. When you look at the jet situation, drafting Zach Wilson, number two overall, clearly they're going to throw him into the fire and they don't really have a veteran presence. So where do your thoughts kind of lie on that? Are guys better off, you know, sitting and waiting for a year or two? Are they better off just, just getting thrown in? Is it totally dependent on the person? Kind of what do you think there? I think it's so dependent on the team, uh, the the surrounding cast. Uh, when you think about it, like, you know, Mahomes was fortunate enough to come into a situation where Kansas City was already good. You know, mm-hmm. there was a playoff team. And uh, then once he got the starting job, Andy Reid was able to tailor everything to his skill set. Uh, you know, Lamar Jackson is another guy. We mentioned him before. He came mm-hmm. into a great situation. Baltimore is already a good football team and a really good franchise. So, he just fell into a good situation. and But when you look at guys like that, even Dak Prescott, the Dallas Cowboys is already a good football team. They had built that team for Romo. Romo got hurt, so Dak fell into a gold mine. So, mm-hmm. you know, for those guys, it worked out great. Now, when you think about some of the other guys, you know, in other teams, look at Haskins up in Washington, they was a train wreck at the time. You know, yeah. they going through so many different changes and, didn't know who's going to be coaching or who's going to be doing this. His first year, he went through a coach change in the middle of the season. And uh, so that's a totally different scenario. And then, you know, other guys that face those type of situations, it is totally different, man. I always say, like, it's a great honor to get drafted to the NFL, but sometimes your future is predicted by who you get drafted by and based off where that team is at that time. If you have enough veterans on your football team and mm-hmm. enough, and you can run the football, you can play great defense, you can start a young quarterback fresh out of college his first year because you has what it takes to stop other teams. That's a defense and a run game to take the pressure off. If you can't run the football and you give up points defensively, do not start a young quarterback because he's going to always be playing from behind and defense can just tee off and they can steal his confidence early in his career. Oh, that's a, so, that's a great point. Um, just, I, I got to ask you, you know, uh, obviously reminiscent, we're Jets fans of 2009, 2010 when Mark Sanchez came in. So you talk about defense in a run game. He had the number one run game in the league and the number one defense in the league as he came in. So that was built for, you know, for a rookie quarterback to, to, mm-hmm. to have success. When you look at Zach Wilson right now with a, you know, new head coach, obviously a rebuilding team. What is, you know, what are your thoughts on that specific situation? Is he going to, you know, sink or swim in the first year, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, as you're looking at the Jets team right now? Well, I think I think most importantly, man, like, you know, I think of the Jets team, I wish they could sit him for the first year. Mm-hmm. I just don't think they have that luxury. Uh, yeah. I tell you this, their defense will be better. Um, you know, they got the defense coordinator from the from San Francisco, say, hey, coach. And, you know, over the years, his defense has been really good. And, you know, they're two years removed from the Super Bowl. So I think that automatically buys the locker room. I think when guys mm-hmm. listen to him and hear him talk, they automatically buy in just because of the fact that, like, two years ago, this guy was in the Super Bowl. And, uh, yeah. and they still been able to compete and, uh, and everything. Now I do think from a standpoint, he did get the quarterback coach, I believe went with him as his offense coordinator, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they will run a lot of Kyle Shanahan type plays. I'm figuring And his offense mm-hmm. is 
it's one that a young quarterback can succeed in because it's a lot of moving pieces, a lot of play action pass that sets up the deep ball, which is what Zach does well is throw the deep ball. And that's kind of what Kyle's offense is built off of. And then his run game is kind of like a zone scheme run game where it's a, you know, it's not just attack. It's a, the linemen are blocking, blocking areas. They're blocking zones and the backs is kind of reading off of. And over the years, you've always seen that offense be very successful. So I think for Zach per se, it helps him to have that type of system and have that type of defensive-minded head coach. But at the same time, what hurts him is your quarterback coach is now your offense coordinator who is also learning on the job. You know, this mm-hmm. is his first experience as a coordinator. And people can say what they want to say. They can think they can just drag a coach and plug him in a position just because he has a title, he automatically gets it. No, it's a reason some coordinators are just head and shoulders above others is because of experience. He has got to get experience as well. And Zach's going to try to get experience with him at the same time. So it's a growth in process where there's not a veteran there. If they had a veteran there starting for the first couple of games, he can kind of teach him how to prepare. And even there's things come up that maybe the young coach realized, but a veteran quarterback has seen so much, he can be like, okay, I know how to adjust here. And uh, so unfortunately for Zach, there won't be many opportunities for him to have to adjust because he'll be learning on the curve. Yeah, I think the hope is for, you know, Jeff fans is that they end up signing up uh, Nick Mullins to the roster because he does have experience within this system. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he definitely has a few starts. So I think it could be good for Zach. Initially, they were talking to Brian Hoyer, who I think would be perfect. You know, he's seen everything. He's been in the league for like 15 years. So it's definitely interesting to hear that you think that it could be tough for him without having that guy who really knows the system and, you know, has been through a few starts and been in the league for a while. So that's definitely interesting. Um, So, you know, you played for two big markets throughout your career in the NFL. You played for Chicago and Washington. You know, what would be a piece of advice you would give to Zach Wilson, really any quarterback who's going into a big market to dealing with the media and really the fan base? Because could be a rough time for a young quarterback. Yeah, I would tell Zach, man, like just stay away from the media from a standpoint of like reading into it every day. You know, because every day there's going to be a different story. If he throws a great ball in OTAs, oh man, here comes John Elway the second. You know, <laughs> you know those three picks in practice. You know, you know, what did the Jets do? They make a mistake. You know, like they judge these kids so early now that they don't even give them an opportunity to even like have any growth. Like you have to make mistakes in order to learn from them. But you know, you look at Josh Allen, Buffalo is about to get rid of him. And then all of a sudden they they flip their system and start tailoring things the way he do well. And all of a sudden he blew up to a Pro Bowl quarterback. So, you know, but he went through some mistakes early on. So you got to think, man, these kids are under so much pressure nowadays. You know, you think about Tua down in Miami. You know, they're already talking about trying to get rid of Tua. The kid just came back off a hip injury last year. So you hadn't even had a chance to even see what he can do yet. So I would just say for – you know, for the, for the young kid, man, is just don't buy so much into it, the media, even when you do good, because your head can kind of get filled up. And uh, don't buy so much into the media if you make some mistakes, because then that make you feel like you're the worst thing ever. And he's in a tough market. Like, New York is one of the toughest markets that you can play in. And I think the perfect person to look at how they handle New York is Eli Manning. You know, Eli had such a soft spirit about him, and he didn't get too high. He didn't get too low. People couldn't even read him. They couldn't tell if he was bothered or unbothered. And I think, uh, you know, Zach can just, you know, be himself, and but don't get bothered either way, good or bad. But just keep his head down, man, and just drive hard and go forward. That's all, That's what I would say, man. Like, don't worry about the naysayers. Like, you got to where you got to because someone told you you couldn't do it in the first place, you know, mm-hmm. a long way. And that motivated you. So just keep that same mindset while you're in the NFL. Definitely. Totally agree with that. Yeah. 
So, you know, Jason, uh, talking about, um, you know, all this and the expectations around Zach, I mean, for a rookie, you know, for a rookie quarterback coming in with this team, what would you think would constitute a successful season for Zach, uh, you know, Wilson in his first year? I would say they can just, uh, I, I think for him, man, if they could find a way to just, you know, get a good run game around him, like I said, defense is going to be better, but if they can limit his passes, you know, for the first couple of games to so maybe 20 and under per game, uh, I, instead of throwing him out there and dropping back 40 and 35, 40 times, you know, I think you just let him groom himself into it. I think the best thing he's got going for him this year is that they actually have OTAs. Mm -hmm. They actually have mini camps. You know, last year that was taken away. So a lot of young guys wasn't fortunate enough to have that opportunity. So, you know, I think he can take advantage of that. And, uh, and I understand he is in a tough division. It, that division has gotten a lot better over the last year or two. And, uh, man, just lean on your veterans, but don't feel like you got to do it all. Like you will not win and lose every game because of Zach Wilson. You know, it's just too many shoes that need to be filled on the team. It's too many holes that got to be filled. And uh, they, they will win and lose games, you know, based off can they stop someone first and foremost, but at the same time, can you just keep him in a situation where he can be comfortable and get early completions in the games? I would say for him to be successful this year is, you know, to have over 60% completion percentage, you know, to, mm -hmm. you know, have more touchdown passes than interceptions, you know, just trying to limit, limit the ratio, you know, have a, at least a two to one, three to one inter touchdown interception ratio, you know, where you protect the football. The games are won and lost in the NFL off one possessions a lot. And it mm -hmm. always comes down to the turnover battle. So I would say for him, man, is just protect the football at all costs. But um, no, just just put your head down, man. Go forward. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, we talked about this a little bit before, but we got we went live. So you played against two Rex Ryan defenses in your career in 2011 and 2013. From what you remember, what was the toughest part about going against a Rex Ryan defense? It was complex, man. It was all the exotic blitzes <laughs> and all the exotic, you know, defensive fronts they give you. Uh, you know, it was always a challenge. It was one of the, it's one of those weeks where you got to stay up and prepare and you can't over-prepare uh, for his type of defenses because they are so good. You know, like I said, you know, he stands his defense and lineman up sometimes. He walks mm -hmm. around and then – you know, you don't know which gaps they're blitzing. So you have to learn how to find the five the five strongest guys up front, which we call the the five rushers. And uh, once you identify the five rushers, then you can find the Mike, the Sam, and the Will, and then you point the middle of them. And then that way your offensive line knows who's the five we're taking care of and who's the one linebacker we're taking care of. And then the back knows who the back's protecting, and then you know who's your hot guy. So, you know, it just all comes down to those type of things that you got to think within three seconds in the NFL and be able to develop. But it was always one of those things where you knew you had to attack them by running the football to keep them honest and keep them from blitzing so much. Because against Rex, if you lined up in shotgun and just think you can throw it every down, he's going to cause complex and just <laughs> blitz you and blitz you and uh, and do different things. So to calm it down, we always have to make sure we ran the ball. I just remember in Oakland, that's how we beat them. We ran the football. We, we threw the ball well off play action pass. And they had a great team that year. You know, Daniel was having a strong year. And, uh, you know, we beat them out in open. And then in uh, 2013 with Cleveland, we went up there and it was close to Christmas time. It was weird. It was like 75 degrees in December. And I was just like, this is, <laughs> it's like, this is weird all the way around. And we should have won that game. We found a way to lose that game. But that was Cleveland at the time. You know, we always find ways to lose games. But, you know, the Jets, I will say this. The Jets are not far from being able to compete back in the AFC East. And I say that, like, with conviction because if you watch the AFC East, like, a lot of their games they won lost last year, you scratch your head and be like, 
why were they doing that? What, what was they doing? You know, like <laughs> there's there's one reason why, and I'm sure right. you know why. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can kind of see like which is sad. You only get one shot in the NFL sometimes, and it's sad because you know this team is tanking. There's just some games that they could have won, but you know they was tanking. <laughs> and uh, you know, so you know, hopefully they got what they wanted when they tanked for. So we'll see. We will. Um, so, Jason, honestly, uh, that's, a, that's a perfect segue. So I think you can understand that uh, Jets fans are smiling with your optimism for this year because we, we share that same optimism. And <laughs> going from Adam Gase and Dal Loggins now to Robert Sala and, and Michael Floor, but they've also gotten pretty aggressive on the offensive side of the ball. So Joe Douglas drafted four guys uh, you know, on offense in, in the first four picks, signed Corey Davis. We have Denzel Mims in his second year. So as a former quarterback, is this, uh, you know, a weapons core, uh, you know, receiving core, uh, tight end, running back that you'd be excited to have if you were playing quarterback for him? Yeah, I would. You talking about some young guys that can run, scratch the field. And uh, yeah. I'm just excited to be in that offense. You know, you think about that that type of offense that, you know, Shanahan runs, and you think back to the John Elway's guys, even Jake the Snake. Remember, Jake the Snake ran that offense when he was in Denver, <laughs> and they went to the playoffs. So, you know that offense works, and it takes pressure off the quarterback because you don't know where the set points are going to be. And uh, – his best friend right now should be Nick Mullins. You know, mm-hmm. I, you know, dialing Nick Mullins up every day. Like, hey, man, can you come here and break this down to me? Break this down to me. Like, just get all the information you can get from Nick because he's been in an offense for the last three years with Shanahan. So, you know, this is going to be a great opportunity, man. But they have weapons. And, and the tight end is going to be his biggest weapon because the tight end touches the ball so much within that offense. And uh, it's, his, it's his safe choice. And uh, – and so the, the faster they can build a relationship, sure, right? The out the the guys on the outside are gonna come. But once you get that tight end developing that offense, like that's the NFL now. Every team that drives on offense has a great tight end and a tight end that can stretch the field. So if the Jets got that and they feel like they got that, then you're in the right start. You you're in the right position. Yeah, you're definitely making us feel pretty good about this season, really the future <laughs> yeah. in general. I know you gotta run, but I just want to ask you one quick question. So you know, there's a lot of young quarterbacks in the league. So besides Patrick Mahomes, who's one quarterback that you can say that you think in 10 years will probably be like a top three quarterback that we're talking about who's in the same conversation as Mahomes? So maybe someone who's been drafted in the last three, four years. Last three, four years? Oh, man. Uh, I say this. I really like what Josh Allen is doing uh, from a development standpoint because, one, his head coach stability – Mm-hmm. And offensive coordinator who was interviewed for head coaching but didn't get hired. So now he has him again, stability. So as long as he still has those two and that defense of Buffalo is always going to be good as long as their head coach is still there. He could be a guy that can really make a name for himself over the next couple of years because of stability and uh, and everything. But, you know, Deshaun Watson, I know there's a lot of stuff going on with Deshaun right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen with him. But from a football perspective, you know, this guy, he could be one of those guys that could be, you know, up there if things get turned around for him off the field. Um, you know, if I have to think just really like one guy, I know a lot of people say Lamar, but the only thing that scared me about Lamar, he runs so much. Mm-hmm. And what happened with Mike Vick over the years when you run so much, like it doesn't get you in year four, year five, but about year seven, year eight, it starts to catch up with you a little bit. So, you know, that's the only thing I think hurts him in that standpoint, but it, that's a, that's a great, great question, man. Like I, I just, like, it is a really, really good question. I, I would probably say, man, gosh, like. <laughs> I stomped you, my bad. 
Yeah, I understand. Like, you think Mahomes, you think Brady's about to be out of here. You know, okay, you think, yeah. uh, you know, you know, Dak is a really good quarterback, but, you know, I just – I, I just – I, My, my answer is Justin that. Herbert. I loved what I saw from him as a rookie. I really think I he's going nice. on Justin Herbert. You're right. Justin Herbert is a guy <laughs> I can throw in there. But I say this. When you come in your first year, you can always light people up. Just because mm-hmm. they don't have enough book on, they don't have a big enough book. That's on. true. That's very true. Now they've seen him for a whole year. They know his strengths and some of his weaknesses. I would like to see how he adjusts the year two before mm-hmm. I put him in that conversation. Because that, that no, that's that's fair. I feel like what you said exactly would happen to Baker Mayfield. He lit the world on fire, and mm-hmm. defenses figured him out. And then his third year, he kind of really was in the middle of his rookie season and his second season. So that's definitely a good point. But um, Jason, I know you got to run. We really appreciate you coming on the show tonight. We'd love to have you back on during the season. If you ever want to talk film, talk about the Jets, or even just overall NFL in general, we're happy to have you back on. Yeah, man. Yeah, I look forward to it. Like I said, you know, you know, people can be optimistic about the Jets. You know, don't don't put them on too big of an expectation. Give them a year <laughs> to get the things going. But I don't think they're that far away from competing in the AFC East, man. Like I say, people can follow me on jcampbell17 on Instagram. Uh, jcam underscore one seven on twitter uh, i have a podcast believe in everything auburn if you're an auburn fan subscribe check us out it's free um if you're not an auburn fan i talk about all other sports anyway sometimes and especially during nfl season so i look forward to it though man i kind of you know it's a jets fan it's always excitement around when there's a new quarterback any city it's always excitement because that's like the 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 lamborghini car of everything you know? <laughs> so everyone wants to see how the new quarterback gonna look but you know, let's just, you know, give it some time to sink in and everything to come together. You know, Rome wasn't built in a day. So, you know, give my opportunity. Thanks, man. Really yeah, appreciate thanks it. Thanks very much, Jason. Appreciate yeah, having you on. Yep, Take care. Cool. Thank you. Thanks. So that was Jason Campbell, everybody. Uh, really good time with him. Definitely want to bring him back on during the season. So, Stephen, what do you think was like the most interesting thing you took away from our conversation with Jason? Well, I honestly, uh, I love, and I, I obviously share uh, his excitement for the LaFleur offense um, and the weapons that the Jets have. I think, I think that's great. I, you know, we mentioned in last week's episode, I think we have a tendency as Jets fans to overhype our own, but I really think like we're being uh, as realistic as, as we should be with this. And hearing Jason say that, uh, you know, he's excited about the, the weapons that we do have, Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, a couple of young, big guys that can go up and, and, and make plays. Um, you know, and then the, the importance of Herndon for, for those in the Herndon hive, you know, <laughs> what that could mean uh, to Zach Wilson and this offense. Um, I also thought he brought up a very good point about, you know, the fact that, listen, Robert Sala is going to be learning on the fly here. This is a, mm-hmm. a new undertaking as well as uh, Michael Floor. You know, there are things that come up that you hadn't had to deal with uh, up until this point. But overall, I thought, you know, his optimism, um, I like, I'm excited about it. I felt like it was good to have a former NFL QB say, you know what? Yeah, I uh, I would like to come into this offense. You know, especially this the Shanahan style offense with these weapons. Um, that's something I would be excited about. How yeah. about you, man? How'd you feel? Yeah, no, I I felt the same thing as you. I feel like you know, for someone who really has no tie to the team, usually what you see is in the media. You know, guys who are on TV, former players, they always rip the Jets. That and mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of reason to. I totally don't disagree with them some of the time, but there's definitely like a bias. It was really nice to see someone who has no connection to the team whatsoever actually say that he thinks that they're heading in the right direction. He really likes the offense that they're going to deploy and, and the weapons that they're really surrounding the young quarterback around. He did bring up a good point how they really do need to have a veteran quarterback in the room because right now it's James Morgan and Mike White. 
we both know neither of those guys would ever give us a chance to win a game if we if no. something happened to Zach Wilson, God forbid. So I feel like that's a good point. And, you know, I, I'm thinking that they will once Nick Mullins is medically cleared, sign him. It just makes so much sense. It wouldn't be expensive experience with the offensive coordinator experience in the offense for about, I think, three or four years. And he really wasn't that bad in comparison to Jimmy Garoppolo. Like yeah. he came in the game against the Jets this past year and he was playing better than Jimmy before he got hurt. Like, yeah. I think that it would be a good guy to bring into the room. He's also a young quarterback. He's not one of those like really old guys who maybe, you know, Wilson, who's 21 years old, 22 years old, would have trouble connecting with, you know, like man to man. So I feel like that would be really an ideal thing. So that was really what caught my eye. And I, you know, I was definitely interested to hear him talking about preparing for a Rex Ryan defense. I thought that was great. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, me too. And I think you're right. Nick Mullins makes a ton of sense. Younger guy, you know, he can win a game in a pinch. Um, yep. And he's not uh, Mike White or James Morgan. But, uh, you know, the other thing that along those same lines is I don't think anyone can. It's hard to measure because the Jets brought in Gase and, and Dow Loggins. But mm -hmm. you can't quantify uh, what Josh McCown meant to Sam Darnold and why, yep. you know, that, that that's a very that, – um, I'm assuming that's a very big part of the reason why Sam had success in his first year and, and definitely mm -hmm. built up towards the end. And, and there's a lot of people uh, that know a lot more about football than I do that stress how important Josh McCown is and how good of a teammate he is and just how good of a person mm -hmm. and, a, and a coach he is. Um, so bringing in a veteran, you know, for Zach, especially with experience in this offense, I think you can't, uh, you can't underestimate the importance of that. Totally. And I know uh, Rob Calabrese, who's the quarterback coach, he was like a college quarterback. And I remember when the Broncos had all their COVID issues in the quarterback room, like they asked the league if he can actually be the quarterback because Kendall Hidden, who was the guy who ended up playing, really wasn't ready to do it. So I think he'll also be a really nice, you know, piece for Zach Wilson to really absorb and soak up when he's going through his prep every week and looking, studying defenses and trying to learn the playbook. So I think in addition to having a veteran quarterback, I think Calabrese will be awesome for this team as well. Um, yep. I know we got a few minutes left, but um you know, we've been seeing that there's a lot of, you know, camaraderie with the team. We saw Wilson took a lot of the linemen, some of the players to the Islanders game. I think Dan Feeney grew on both of us a little bit with his chug game and also the <laughs> mullet. So that was a good thing. But one of the things that I think was amazing about this team, and it's something that's unusual because you kind of compare the Jets to the Packers. So think about this. Pretty much everybody on the roster was at OTAs. When you mm -hmm. compare that to the Packers, I know they're obviously having some issues with their quarterback. You know, all the wide receivers refuse to show up. To me, that has something to do with Robert Sala. And I also think it has something to do with Zach Wilson as well. I think, you know, people are interested in, you know, learning about the kid, getting to know him, because he's really going to be the guy who's going to control the car that we're driving, hopefully to a Super Bowl one day. So I would just really like that, that, you know, that everyone seems to be buying into the program, even this early on. I know, you know, there hasn't been a real practice yet. There hasn't been a preseason or a regular game, but I just like what they're doing so far. I just think that it just like, like we've been talking about the first two episodes, they just seem like they know what they're doing. There's a plan. There's a lot of cohesion. And like mm -hmm. Joe Douglas, Zach Wilson, and Robert Sala are all on the same page. And hopefully Woody stays out of it. That's really my best hope right there. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, it's it's a good point. And that's something that Jason uh, brought up as well is the respectability that Robert Sala has coming from, a, you know, an organization like San Francisco that was in the Super Bowl two years ago. And again, we'll go back to it. You compare that to what it must have felt like for players in the locker room when they hired Adam Gase. It's like, you know, hold on, you're just, you're coming from, you know, a, a, a program where you just got kicked out and now we're bringing you in. What respectability do you really have? The fact that you rode Peyton Manning's coattails, you know, six years ago, mm -hmm. that doesn't hold any water with us. So everything seems to be lining up at the right time. Uh, you got all these guys showing up for OTAs. They're buying in the Sala. Douglas is buying in. I, it's, it, it feels good. It really does. Yeah, 
Totally agree with you. Um, so that's going to be it for this ep- edition of Front of Jets Live. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or Google Play. Where you'll get our feed. You'll get the regular TOJ pod feed as well as draft season. And obviously, as we mentioned every week, definitely don't forget to try to subscribe to our Patreon for Badlands. It's the best Jets content that you'll ever pay for, I promise you. I know that they're debuting the new docuseries, essentially the process of hiring Robert Sala, which is coming soon. You definitely won't want to miss that. And I know that Connor and Joe have a lot more in store as we get close to the training camp in the season. So thanks everyone for tuning in and we'll talk to you guys next week with our man, Will Parkinson.